college players and all the coaches. Wide receivers cutting their routes and getting open. Feels like Panther Nation is getting hopeless. Fighting back and forth with each other with mixed emotion. Right now isn't the time we should be broken. Cheering our Panthers on, keeping them focused. Coming out the gate, we ready, we hot smoking. Executing play after play, you know the motive, yeah. It's a wrap when the line get the sack. Or a pick from them thieves that stay creeping in the back. Linebacker with the blitz, he ain't see him, he was quick. Panther Nation going wild, this is how we represent. Man, it's 53 grown men acting their age. Not missing assignments and making spectacular plays. It's exciting when we roar like the ride. And hopefully for Mr. Panther Nation, the fire has been ignited. The nation, Panther Pride, until the end, we will fight. Now let's go. Welcome to the On The Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Delmar Minor, with my man. OG Tony B back. What's up? What's up, everybody? I hope everybody's being safe out there. Remember, this COVID-19 is a serious thing. Keep your hands washed. Practice social distancing. And let's get into some Carolina Panthers news, because we got a lot to talk about, Tony B. Yes, sir. So first off, we got the sad news that Cam Newton was released this week. Tony. Tell us what you think about that decision, man. I think overall, man, it's a it's no none of real Carolina Panthers fans want to see, you know, Cam Newton release. None of us wanted to see it. None of us saw it coming abrupt as it happened. But I think in the end, to start a new regime, to start the rule era, uh, some changes had to be made and that was just part of the the change. Now um, with some of the, the rumors and the information that came out about how this actually occurred, I think Cam's team may have influenced the decision a little earlier than the Carolina Panthers wanted to, but with the availability of Terry Bridgewater, then it became a thing that could be feasible to get done. Um, from the overall Cam Newton I mean, I, I follow him on IG. I'll continue to follow him on IG. He is a man possessed right now. So anybody that's out there looking for a quarterback, obviously I think he, if healthy, is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, I hope he lands on his feet. I think there's some opportunities out there for him for a couple of teams. Uh, I saw a couple of teams that didn't want to take you know, a chance. Uh, Ron Rivera. And the Washington Redskins were one of the ones that I thought could be, a, you know, an opportunity for him. But I guess they never really considered him. We'll get more into, you know, the Kyle Allen trade later, I'm sure. And then we'll go to, you know, there's a couple other teams, the, the, the Chargers. Um, I think the Dolphins could use a quarterback. And honestly, Cam may have to take a backup role for a year. He may have to go to Terry, Teddy Bridgewater route, you know, until he can get into a, a better situation. The last one I'll say, the team that I think he should go to, but everybody's like, uh, I don't understand why we do that. I think Pittsburgh would be a good spot for him. You got Big Ben. It's kind of, you know, on the end of the rope. We don't know what he's really got left. And that's at least a, you know, a starting home for him for two to three years where he could probably be pretty efficient. Pittsburgh would be a great spot for Cam because they have a stable franchise, great coach. They always surround their quarterback with, offensive weapons uh, I like that move my thoughts on this are Cam Newton was done dirty in my opinion 
I feel like the Carolina Panthers dangled him out on a limb. And when the negotiations didn't go the way they needed to, they held on to him, which seems like on purpose, so he wouldn't get a job. I'm not going to say that the organization is being underhanded, but they definitely have not handled Cam Newton's situation the way it should have. In fact, I will say our organization does not handle our legendary players correctly at all. Yeah, you mentioned it before, the 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 term breakup, right? We don't break up well uh, with any of our legendary or star players or even, you know, some of our, our tier one players. You know what I mean? It's just like when we end things, it's just like it's a I understand it's a business, but there are so many other ways. And I'll just take the Tom Brady thing, you know, because it's the most recent one. I mean, they took out full page ads in the Tampa Bay Tribune, not the New England newspapers, but the Tampa Bay Tribune to say thank you to Tom Brady from New England. And I think that same thing should have been done for Cam because he deserves that much. Carolina was not a place on the map before Cam Newton came to town. It just wasn't. And anybody that wants to disagree, we can have that disagreement all day. The second best quarterback in Carolina Panthers history is Jake DeLome and Cam Newton and Jake DeLome are two worlds apart from each other. Although I love Jake too. So I, I agree with you that it, it was a dirty breakup. Um, I, I hope the man lands on his feet. I hope we, whatever team he lands on, we don't have to play for the next five years because I don't want to see him at all. I feel like this too. I think, you may be right with Cam having to take a backup job in the interim, but I also have a really strong feeling that he may not even play in 2020. I feel like Cam Newton may sit out this year, get his health right, even though recently he did have a a physical that was done and it was, you know, said that he was healthy. But I think he's, you know, unless somebody gets hurt, I feel like he's going to sit out this year and then come back next year when the quarterback market is fresh. He's had another year to heal, and I can see his value being, you know, more because, I mean, after two or three years of healing and surgery, Cam should be ready to go. And you're right. I would hate to see if he is picked up this year. I would hate to play him because he's going to come and try to rip a new butthole in us. And that's the last thing I want to see. Steve Smith did it when he left. And Cam Newton definitely, definitely will be gunning for us if he gets to a team that we're going to play in the next year or two years or three years or however long it may be. But I just want to say to Ace Boogie that, you know, I as a fan appreciate you. And no matter where you go, I'm going to still support you. Don't stop being yourself. Keep that same swag. In fact, you've inspired a lot of Panther fans to just be themselves. And it's okay to be different. And hopefully one day he'll be able to come back here. And he'll get the honor that he's due, man. And I ain't going to say one day. Cam Newton will retire as a Carolina Panther. And I hope uh, David Tepper, Marty Herney, everybody in that organization that's sitting up in Charlotte right now understands that that has to happen. That it's not a thing that should be taken lightly. Um, I know we only have four people on the ring of honor right now. Uh if you don't have the number one already, you know, written up there, somebody better get up there right now and do it because the man deserves it.
do you think they should retire his number and not let anybody wear it? Even though technically they haven't retired Steve Smith's number, but nobody's wearing Steve Smith's number. You know, nobody's going to wear 59. Nobody's wearing 58. What do you think about Cam's number? So I'm not a big fan of retiring numbers because obviously you limit the capacity of, uh, you know, players that can come in and, and wear those numbers. And then you got to do the whole number thing all over again. I think it's a privilege for teams when you have those jerseys out there that that player is like essentially the number 12, right? If anybody ever wears a number 12 in New England again, I'm sure they're going to have to ask Tom Brady for permission. So for me, I, I think that legacy part of it is a, a is a thing. And if you got your number in, you know, in the ring already, we know who you are. Real fans know. We don't need to take the number out of rotation because every time I see the jersey, regardless of the fact, I'm still going to think Cam Newton. I'm still going to think Luke Keekley, 59. I'm still going to think 89, Agent Zero. You know, those numbers don't leave fans' mind. So somebody else can wear the number. I'm fine with that. But in the end, I think that's the the legacy that you leave is the ability to have someone else come into your organization and wear your number. And people still see that number as Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Greg Olson, Steve Smith. Um, so that's, that's my take on it. Well, I guess we'll see in a couple of years what happens, man. I really do hope Cam can come back here and retire Panther. I would really like to see that. Um, I still think, you know, Smitty, Smitty still, I would love to see Smitty officially retire as a Panther. I think that needs to happen. But, you know, with the way things are going right now with the rule error, um, we may not see that for a while or we may never see it. So, I agree. And I think that may be a part of the reason why we don't see it in the near future, just because it it is a bad breakup. Like I would be pissed if I was Cam Newton now, too. So um, I don't know if that will keep him away from the organization like it did Steve Smith. I assume it will because they're kind of in the same mode of personalities. So I don't think any good news is going to be heard about Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers relationship for for a while. Well, speaking of the rule era, free agency has been pretty wild this year, man. And let's talk about some of these Carolina Panther free agents. I'm going to go down the list and I'm just going to give my take on each one and we'll comment back and forth. Okay. So Teddy Bridgewater is our new quarterback. How do you feel about that? Uh, I give that. I give that a B plus. I think obviously him having previously worked with Joe Brady helps us. Um, we talked about Cam and there's been plenty of discussion about Cam's inaccuracies. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater brings a different level of accuracy than we've all been used to for the last nine years. So that's a plus in my book. Uh, the only thing is we only had a small selection sample size of you know what he's capable of. And I want to see Teddy Bridgewater in a uncomfortable position before I say, hey, this is, you know, an a, a or A plus type move. I think Teddy Bridgewater brings stability to the franchise right now. It is while I would prefer to have Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater will be a efficient, low risk, possibly high reward free agent. 
especially for our offense, because one thing we know about Teddy, he's not going to mess it up, but he may not be the one to win you the game either. He's not going to have a lot of turnovers. So I think, and he's a low-key guy, so you're not going to have to worry about him doing anything crazy off the field. You're not going to have to worry about him doing something that's going to get the media's attention. He's going to be low-key. He's going to do his job, and I think he's going to do his job well. Now, whether or not he can be that playmaker, that point guard that we're used to, because Cam Newton on the field, let's be honest, was like a point guard in basketball. He was great at distributing the ball and keeping the defense honest. Teddy Bridgewater is not as mobile as Cam, but he's mobile enough. So I think right now, I think it was a good pickup. I give the pickup a B plus. All right, so let's move on to, uh, the, I, I call it the next big free agent. I'll talk about Robbie Anderson. Obviously, I think this is a out. I mean, this is an A plus in my mind. I think that uh, for the price for what he brings to the table as a bigger receiver, you know, he's different than the other mold of receivers we got, and obviously the speed that he adds to the receiving core, uh, a pretty fast receiving core already, uh, and with uh, White Lightning, I think that that just makes the offense even more versatile and maybe the offensive line isn't that much of a concern because the fact that the ball is going to come out very fast and you can't just isolate linebackers on Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and all those guys when you put them in the, in the slot. So maybe that helps some of the offensive line issues that we had last year. And I think that'll improve with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback as well. Well, what I really like about the Robbie Anderson signing is, once again, I think they're trying to build weapons around Teddy to help supplement that that playmaking ability. For example, I feel like Teddy is going to remind us of what Alex Smith was for the Kansas City Chiefs for a little while. That offense around him was very explosive. He had a great coaching staff. All Alex had to do was not mess it up. And the Chiefs won a lot of games with Alex Smith even before Mahomes. And I don't think a lot of people remember that because Mahomes is kind of just taking over in Kansas City. But Alex Smith was very good for them. And he was good in Washington, too, before he got hurt. So I feel like if we can get that Alex Smith-esque type play, that slightly above average game manager type play with these explosive weapons, oh, yeah, man, we're, we're going to do really well. And Robbie Anderson might be the best receiver we've had since Steve Smith. Agree with you. What are your thoughts on Pharaoh Cooper? I say Pharaoh is a, I'll give it a C um, because I think obviously his primary responsibility is going to be punt return and kick returning. Now that can be elevated to a B, B plus in the event that he's actually, you know, giving us good field position and um, maybe even contributing a little bit to the, the offense. I personally like, I'm a fan of Pharaoh Cooper, obviously because he's a South Carolina Gamecock. Um, and again, it's another aspect of the speed game that they're adding to the Carolina Panthers overall. The only thing I don't like about it is he's in the mold of every other receiver that we have. So at some point, obviously we got Robbie Anderson, which kind of upgraded the deal in my mind to probably a C plus that he won't have to be that much of a factor on offense because I feel like 
taking Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore off the field is not what I really want to see the Carolina Panthers do. I want to see that trio on the field. And I understand there may be some quad receiver packages and all that good stuff, but I just don't see Pharaoh as a number three option because of his size. Now he could, he could get in the slot and he could probably do some things in the slot. But again, we got two other guys that can do that. Three other guys that can do that. I didn't grade Robbie Anderson, but I give him an A plus. That's an A plus signing in my book. But back to Pharaoh Cooper, I give that a solid B plus because now we have a Pro Bowl kick returner and punt returner where this is your job. Your job is to catch the ball, don't muff the punt, and just make sure that either A, you can flip the field position for us, or B, You know, I feel like also, especially in 2019, we had an issue with not having a stable kick returner and punt returner. We actually lost games because of that. Yeah, true. So I'm excited that we finally solidified that position to where we don't have to worry about, oh, well, is DJ Moore going to take the punt? Or is Curtis Samuel going to take the punt? Or Christian McCaffrey or Robbie Anderson? No, we got... One person, that's your job, and he can do it at a somewhat elite level. And I think that's good that we don't have to worry about that. You know what? I'll bump my grade up to a to a B minus because I didn't take in consideration that DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are actually back there returning and that takes that alleviates that part from them. So I'll I'll say B minus. Uh who else we got? Let's, let's talk about Steven Weatherly. Um, I think that guy is a, to me, that's a TBD because I've seen, I've watched some film on him. He has spots where he's, he's unstoppable. And then he has plays where he's just getting mushed around in a running game. So I would like to see him obviously and Brian Burns on the ends and see what we could get. Um, But I still think he is a work in progress. I hope that the defensive line coaches that we have now could, you know, bring some of that energy, some of that youngness out of him and maybe find the strengths and work on that a little bit. So I'm going to call that one TBD because I just don't have a solid read on him from what I've seen in film. Uh, I think obviously being in a system or being in the system that he was in, in, in Minnesota, it may not have even been on him. He may have had this different responsibilities, which I'm sure he did. So we'll see what we as a defense come up with and use him for. But I think highlight, he could be a B. Low, obviously, he could be a D. So for me, I feel like the Stephen Weatherly pickup, I give it a C plus. I think he needs time to be a starter. And whether or not he's going to be a starter, that's to be determined. I do think he's a great rotational piece, but I thought I think they brought him in to start based on what I'm seeing out of the contract. I think they they see that he has a lot of potential and maybe he just needs more playing time. He sort of reminds me of what Mario Addison was before he finally solidified here. You know, cuz Mario Addison was kind of bounced around the league for a while, came in here, he was a rotational pass rusher. And then eventually got a starting job and molded into the pass rusher that we know him to be today. But Steven, 
Steven's more of a traditional defensive end. So I'm interested to see how they're going to use all these pieces for this multiple front that we think that Phil Snow is going to be running. So what are your thoughts on Justin Burris, man, safety? So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a group, the safety group together. So Trey Boston and Justin Burris, I think together collectively, that's a B plus. I think because you can put those two in a safety tandem together for the next probably four to five years. And it's always a great thing. And being a former DB myself, when you know you have two safeties behind you that are going to make up for your, you know, mistakes as a corner. So for me, the Trey Boston signing was obviously like we talked about Mario Addison a few minutes ago. Trey Boston's kind of journeyman. He came here, did some great things. We let him go get some money. He came back. And I think now he he is what we thought he was going to be. So having that stability with Trey in the back with the potential of Justin Burris, which he played, you know, a little spotty in uh, Cleveland. But I think he's in the mold of the Mike Mitchell uh, with a little bit more range. And we know what happened with Mike Mitchell. He was somebody no one had ever heard of. And then he pops up out of the blue and we're like, oh, where'd this dude come from? So I think that's another telltale sign of the Carolina fans aren't looking to, you know, spend break the bank on positions of safety. But I think it's they, they're clearly defined that it's an important piece of the puzzle. And I look forward to seeing what Justin Burris can bring to the table. I think, again, it's a it's a low risk thing. Uh, even if he doesn't work out, maybe we still a, you know, safety in the second or third round of, of the draft and somebody else to still pair up with uh, Trey Boston. Crazy thing is, I feel like Justin Burris is, like you said, that Mike Mitchell-esque type player where he just needs a, he just needs some time to play. He just needs some playing time. Trey Boston, I'm glad we brought him back. I think Trey finally deserved his payday. And Trey wants to be here. Trey has said, I want to help Carolina rebuild. And now Trey has become one of the leaders in that that secondary that we need. And Trey is actually, if you go back and look at his stats over the past couple of years, he's played at a high level, which I'm surprised that nobody's decided to pay him before now. So I don't know if they feel like his tackling ability is not up to snuff, but as far as him being a ball hawk and playing coverage, He's really good, man. He's definitely a top 10 safety in that respect. So I'm glad that we got him. I am going to miss Eric Reed. I like Eric Reed's tenacity in the secondary. I thought he brought an attitude to our team that we haven't had in a long time. But, you know, I'm excited to see what Justin and Trey can do together. So I'm going to grade those signings as a solid B+. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, two two of the other young receivers that we signed, Seth Roberts and Keith Kirkwood. Yeah, that's Kirk Kirkwood is the other, right? Yeah. Um, I don't – I haven't watched or seen enough on either. Um, I saw some highlights, of course. I, I watched a little bit of, of both. I think if I had to lean towards one or the other more – I would be more fond of Seth Roberts because I think he has a little nasty streak. Um, you can tell when he's blocking, he has kind of a a nasty approach to the game. A good nasty, of course. Um, and then Keith Kirkwood, I'm not sure. Maybe he's just one of those uh, special teams component guys that we we can feel that, you know, gonna roll with. Now, 
I grade these as D's because obviously they haven't proven anything. They're just cheap, inexperienced players that we're trying to fill roster spots with, in my opinion. Because if you look at the wide receiver core, I don't see where either one of them is going to grab. I guess it would be the fifth or the sixth receiver spot is what it would come down to. I don't know if the Carolina Panthers carry six receivers this year because of Christian McCaffrey. So we're talking DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Farrell Cooper, one of these two. And then, you know, in my mind, Chris McCaffrey is, can play either. So I don't know which one of them is going to break out and, and make the roster, but I don't see both of them ending up on the roster. I agree with you. I grade these as Ds. I think out of the two, I think Kirkwood makes the roster because of his familiarity with Matt Rule, or actually I should say Joe Brady. So I feel like he will possibly be the one to emerge just because he's young. He's been in the Saints because he's coming from New Orleans. And you know how Joe Brady is obviously about having people from New Orleans because we've seen Teddy Bridgewater came from New Orleans. Uh, Keith Kirkwood came from New Orleans. And don't be surprised if we bring in maybe another free agent or two who played for the New Orleans Saints or who have, you know, or we draft somebody from LSU. And obviously we're bringing in a lot of people from Baylor and Temple because of their connection with Matt Rule. So I think that's what Kirkwood's advantage is to being on this roster is the fact that he has familiarity with the offensive coordinator. And he had a year at Temple with Matt Rule from what I'm seeing too. So, and I didn't even know that. I just, I just happened to read that. So I think he's going to make the roster just based on that. So what do you think about this tight end, Seth the ball, man? What do you think about him? You know, after we talked, I watched uh, some a little film on him. I think there's no risk in him playing. Obviously, um, I think his upside is pre- fairly decent. I think he's a smaller Greg Olson. He can get open in space. Um, the only concern I have is the blocking. Again, with the formations and the the offense that Joe Brady's going to run, maybe he doesn't have to block as much. So I'll call it a C just because I want to see Ian Thomas become who I think he can become. Seth DeVall, after watching his highlights, I actually going to give this a B, a solid B. I think, I think if you coach him up right, he may not be Travis Kelsey or he may not ever be the next Greg Olson. But I can see him in the mold of a Austin Hooper type tight end. You know, Austin Hooper didn't really break out until maybe a year, a year ago or so. I think he'll be the guy. He'll come in. He may get you 200 yards next year, 600 yards. And then eventually, I think if he continues to grow properly, he can maybe get into that echelon or maybe even the 800-yard range depending on what, how we run our offense. And obviously we're going to spread the ball around, but I like the way he, he finds the spots in zone coverage, especially seems to get open, got good hands. And I like his yards after the catch. I, I like, he's got a little wiggle to him. So yeah, he, he kind of does remind me in a sense of a, a younger Greg Olson. Okay. Um, what do you think about, uh, obviously to hear Whitehead, I think is a incredible sneaky B plus type deal. Uh, you get an experienced linebacker to, to pair with Shaq 
and potentially adding Simmons, and there you have a, a a very competent linebacker core for the next four to five years, uh, maybe three to four years, should I say. So I think that's a, a steal. Um, I don't know why the Raiders let him go. I don't know why many teams didn't even give him, you know, really a, a good look at what he can do. But he's definitely an outside linebacker in the mold of old school outside linebackers, which to me says, hey, Shaq is in the middle now uh, and we go from there. I grade that pickup as a solid. I give it a B plus. Tahir is an elite run stopper, which what was our weakness last year, Tony? Yeah, 100 to run. So now, especially with the retirement of Luke Keekley, you have somebody that can stop the run. My only concern with Tahir is that he is horrible in coverage. But hopefully the defensive scheme can mask some of those deficiencies. But as far as as far as his, you know, his play, yeah, he he's going to bring that versatility outside linebacker that we need. And I feel like with him and Shaq and if we draft Simmons or if we bring in another free agent, or even Jermaine Carter or Andre Smith, I feel like the the linebacker core is not as bad as it once was. So hopefully now we can actually stabilize that position and get some good play out of it. Now, of course, we're never going to replace Thomas Davis or Luke Keekley, but I feel like if we can get decent play out of our linebackers, that's going to help us out a whole lot, Tony. Yes, sir. Um, and just to, you know, ride that coattail of yours one more time. The addition of Whitehead, I think, and the loss of Luke. Obviously, Luke is was an uh, upper echelon, once in a generation type talent. So the linebacker core may not be there isn't that much of a drop off from each linebacker as it may have been previous. Like if we lost Luke, clearly, you know, the whole Carolina Panthers defense had to be readjusted because Luke did so much. I think with this addition, and again, I'm reiterating this. I hope David Tepper and the band of rural era are listening to me. Simmons is the pick. Uh, If we can add that type of guy next to Shaq Thompson, I think you have at least two linebackers. And with the, you know, even if Whitehead doesn't work out and we stick, um, Carter, Jermaine Carter there, or, or whatever you know, rotational thing we want to do with those those guys. That we have a overall better linebacking core than we have. Honestly, with the if you draft Simmons and you got Shaq, we have a new younger version of not obviously to the same potential, but Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. Like that to me is. Just a new regeneration of those two roles and two players. And, you know, as far as the draft, and and that's going to be a whole nother episode because, you know, we can talk a whole lot about that. But Simmons Simmons would work well in this defense. I I just – it'll be interesting to see what they do at seven because there's so many things that they could do. And based upon what we've seen from this offensive uh, and defensive staff, they're being very aggressive, so don't be surprised if they trade up. Agreed. So uh, I'll talk about my favorite, favorite move so far of the free agency period. I don't know if you watched much much XFL, but I did. I caught probably four or five games. And to see P. 
PJ Walker's name come across my notifications was probably one of the best things that's happened since I've been quarantined in the Rona environment. If you watch this guy play, he is a smaller Lamar Jackson. He may not be as smart, but I think he is the best characteristics of Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, which is a crazy combination of skill set. I've seen him run out of the pocket and scramble for 25 yards, and I've seen him buy another two seconds in the pocket and throw a touchdown strike 45 yards down the field. I think the NFL game is going to be a little fast for him for right now, but I think when he gets some time and he learns the playbook and he gets some some more time in the seat, as I would call it, the man's going to he, – he gonna be he gonna be a little dangerous. How we get him on the field, I don't I don't know that right now. But I think you might have found another quarterback where the quarterback issue that we think we may have is not really that an, an issue. And I'm talking about not an issue for five to seven years issue. What do you grade that? What do you grade that pickup? That is a right now. That's a B plus. I think that could be all. I think it could elevate all the way to an A plus. So PJ Walker did great in the XFL. I feel like, and if you don't know Panther fans, Kyle Allen was traded to the Redskins for a fifth round pick. So when we signed PJ Walker, to me, this signal we are trying to find a quarterback that is in the mindset of a Russell Wilson esque type quarterback mobile but yet can still throw and you're right pj walker reminds me of a poor man's russell wilson i really like his i I feel like he's teachable i feel like with good coaching at the most he could be a great backup quarterback and somebody said this this week and i agree with them they said that pj walker is our Taysom hill 100 that's in my mind that's exactly what I'm, i think of his role in the team you don't when he gets on the field you don't know what they're using him for it could be to you know run for five to six yards it could be to throw a strike it could be on a sweet play i just think again the versatility that of all these chess pieces that joe brady is getting is something that he had at lsu and we saw how that that came about uh so again, I, I think it's a great pickup. And then I'll go to one of the 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 silent pickups, I think. Obviously, we talked about it last week. Why are we trading Trey Turner? Like why are we getting rid of him? And we, I think we came up to the consensus that, you know, it's easier to find a guard than it is a left tackle. Um, so we all came up with our opinions on who we thought and what we thought the line would look like. And it looks like, you know, the Panthers have for a cheap deal, got Miller to play right tackle, and, you know, he he looks like a, a plug-and-play type guy. So he's a veteran, played for the Cincinnati Bengals for, I think, the last four years, and it's a fairly cheap deal. So at least you get him on maybe a year or two years, and then you get maybe another tackle in the draft. Um, obviously, we got uh, Moten, we got Dennis Daly, we got a couple other pieces that now we don't have to force them into playing right now, right now. Because you you got to look at those guys as, you know, first, second year players. And now they got to learn a whole nother offense that they probably didn't completely know from last year yet. So I think that that's great. Uh, I'd probably say 
probably call that a, a C plus. I think by the end of you know training training camp, there'll probably be a couple of, a, a couple other tackles released that make can also help down the road. But we'll see. I like I said, C plus for me. Well, um, I didn't get my grade for PJ Walker. I give that a solid B. B plus. Give it a B plus. But John Miller, I'm gonna grade that as a C. I mean, I think a guard is easier to replace than a left tackle. I feel like John Miller and Trey Turner, if you probably look at their stats recently, are more comparative than not. I think our offensive line will be better this year just because of offensive scheme and coaching. So I feel like that was a good cheap pickup that possibly could pay dividends. Um, And even if he doesn't start, he'll be a great rotational piece and good backup. I'm with you on that. Now, there's one signing that we just did recently that I'm very interested in, and I don't know a lot about this guy, but I think he could be a solid defensive tackle, and that's Zach Kerr, a former Arizona Cardinals defensive tackle. Uh, Obviously, you know, we've let go of Don Terry Poe, Vernon Butler, Kyle Love is gone. And Gerald McCoy is gone. So that whole defensive tackle group, the whole defensive line needs to be rebuilt. And I think Zach Kerr is that Kyle Love, Vernon Butler replacement. Whether he'll start or not, that's that's to be determined. But I give this signing a solid, I give it a C because, I mean, you know, defensive linemen are always expensive. And I think we're going to upgrade that in the draft. But if he's a backup player, I mean... That's a great piece on your defensive line that can rotate in and out. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I I think I'm with you on C. I think, again, this plays into the draft and and why I think it's more of a Simmons draft. Um, There are at least 10 to 15 defensive tackles in a draft. You can probably get a good one still, like a great one still in the second or third round. Um, For me, from watching him, He's a space eater. He is Kyle Love. He is a younger Dontario Poe. He he just eats space. He keeps linebackers clean. And that's one of the, the good things in the NFL when you have mobile linebacking core um, to get them in space and allow the offensive line not to put their hands on them. And from what I can see from him, he like I said, he he eats space. And by eating space, I mean like he's normally in the backfield requiring a two-man block. And sometimes that's a weakness of his too. You can see him shooting the backfield and he's out of the play because he obviously going straight to wherever he thinks the play is. So, but yeah, I, I like that deal too. I'll go um, C+. Plus. And along with that, you get KY, KY back. And you put him, maybe put him beside, and maybe it's not Simmons. Maybe it is one of those defensive tackles. I think it's Brown from Auburn or Ken Law from South Carolina that's in the top 10. Um, Maybe it's one of those two guys. The only reason I say C and not B plus is because I think it's easier to find star defensive or star defensive tackles can be found in later rounds than linebackers can. Like linebackers usually first three rounds. Somebody that's going to have an impact is what I think we need. Somebody that's going to have an impact. And, hey, who knows? This could end up being a corner because corners look a little – we're a little thin at corner right now. Yeah, we are. Um, 
I would love to if if I if it fell right, if Okuda fell there, I would be okay with us taking a defensive tackle in later rounds. But if Okuda's gone, let's go ahead and just build that front seven again like we did before. And, you know, maybe we can get us a decent corner in later rounds. Uh, while losing Bradbury was it losing Bradbury is an issue, but I do think we can upgrade that position heavily, especially in the draft. Bradbury was decent, but I feel like somebody like Okuda uh, will be, you know, we can get him, man. We'll actually have a shutdown corner. And if Dante Jackson can get his head out of his butt, we'll have a decent secondary next year. Yeah, and you know what my thing is about corner, man? It, number one, obviously, I played a little bit of it myself, but the you got to have a confidence in you to play corner. You know what I mean? And I think – if you go back in Panther history and look at cornerbacks, uh, I'll go back to Ed, I mean, not Ed Davis, but uh, Davis to Lucas to uh, Norman to Bradbury to now Jackson. All the other guys kind of had a little ump about them. And I never got that from Bradbury. Like he was just, you know, I understand you, you're just trying to do your job, but I need somebody to take a leadership role in the secondary. And I think that's why we had to get Eric Berry and the Trey Boston's. I needed more from him in a leadership role. And maybe that's what Washington, I mean, not Washington, but Dave Gettleman drafted him for. I don't know. But again, like you said, I don't think he's worth $15 million. And I think the ability to either get a corner in the first couple of rounds and, or make the, position a more even kill position by saying hey you know Dante Jackson and whomever else is starting opposite him and the third corner can all be interchangeable not have a, a you know a shutdown corner and then have four drop-off corners you know a significant drop-off in in your cornerback skill so I like where we're headed as a team I think uh, some of these free agency deals in a normal year i would be like oh i know where we're going i know we're kind of drafting uh, i think it's still leaving everything on the table right now to take the best player available so we'll see yeah yeah it's gonna be an interesting draft so just uh transitioning real quick what are your thoughts on just free agency in general in the nfl what are some of the moves that you've seen that's happened that um because there have actually been a lot of moves that affect the panthers this year surprisingly the nfc south has gotten really really tough really quick what are you what are your thoughts about some of these moves man so uh, i'll start i'll talk a little bit about nfc south obviously the resigning of drew Brees, the the addition of tom brady and tampa bay i think those help obviously both of those teams who does it help the most i think tampa bay obviously because with their offensive weapons and they had a fairly decent defense last year they should be really competitive this year. I don't think that New Orleans is in the same place that they've been in the past years. Um, I don't think their defense is going to get any better this year. So I think that's going to be a drop off for them. And then obviously I never have any fear for the Atlanta Falcons just because I know they score points, but they don't play any defense. So you stop one or two possessions of the Atlanta Falcons, you're probably going to win the game. Um, so that's just the NFC as a whole. I think it, it becomes one of the, the most, challenging divisions because of all the quarterback play you have in it. 
and we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, if I had to pick a winner right now, I'd probably say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just because they probably have the strongest defense of the uh, the four teams. Now, for the rest of the NFL, I don't know if anybody's watching Carolina North, aka the Buffalo Bills, but they have not only established themselves as the front runner in the AFC East, I think they're trying to go at Kansas City right now. Um, by the way, they're building a defense. Uh, it's a lot of former Carolina Panthers up there. Uh, I don't know if you saw earlier today that Poe signed with them uh, on a one-year deal. Poe signed with the Cowboys. Was it Poe that signed with the Cowboys? Um, Vernon, Vernon Butler. Vernon signed there. Daryl Williams signed there today. Yeah, that's that's who it was. Daryl Williams, I'm sorry. So Daryl Williams, um, Josh Norman, A.J. Klein. I mean, it, it, Sean McDermott is up there taking former Carolina Panthers and trying to bring them back alive. Obviously, I watch old, older Carolina Panthers players and where their destinations become. Um, I think one of the seals that we got is somehow we managed to get rid of Kyle Allen for a fifth-round draft pick. Thanks, Ron Rivera. And then there's some other you know pieces that I just don't understand. The Houston Texans trade to Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins, I Unless the team was giving me their whole house, I don't understand that trade. Um, I don't think um, – I think it's Bill O'Brien. I don't think he's going to be there very much longer than maybe his last year because he, he's being a complete jackass right now in, in managing that um, team. You have a, you know, a, a very, very capable quarterback. Now you take one of – not one of, but the number one option away from him and put him in a – position where we already know his offensive line isn't that great and who knows what happens with with him um another team that i think is making some quiet moves um as much as a a, a fan i'm not of the dallas cowboys i think they are doing some solid things down there and they're trying to re-shore up their uh defense defensive line by making it the former carolina panthers defensive line with gerald mccoy and uh poe I don't know what happens with the Dak situation. Obviously, they, they've been trying to renegotiate that contract, but I think if the Dallas Cowboys don't become a real team in the next two years, then they're going to have to blow it all up because they spent all their money on Ezekiel Elliott, um, Dak Prescott, and uh, the receiver. I, I can't, I'm at a loss for his name right now, but um, those are just some of the, the, the bigger things I've seen. Um, and honestly, I, after the first two or three picks in a draft, I don't really have a idea of where most teams are are going with the the draft process. Obviously, Joe Joe Burrows is there, the number one pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, we know Delmar's conspiracy theory, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, that's that's what I see right now. Um, of course, there's some fairly big names still out there. I, I I'd like to see what Jadavian Clowney is worth. Uh, there's a couple other corners out there that I'd like to see. You know, the longer they're on the market, I think the better chance that we have. I think one thing that we didn't realize is when we when we released Cam Newton, we also freed up another $17 million worth of money for us to play around with, which may uh, bring around an opportunity to sign. I think we spent about 10 of that on Robbie Anderson, but, you know, there may be a – mid-range cornerback in that budget somewhere. Well, my thoughts on free agency this year, let's start with the NFC South. Brady makes Tampa competitive. Um, 
depending on how quickly they gel, they could definitely win the NFC South. Breeze coming back to New Orleans. Personally, I felt like they should have kept Teddy Bridgewater rather than re-sign Breeze. I think Breeze is declining, and I don't see that team. It's hard to operate at a high level the way they've been doing the past couple of years. And every year they've gotten to the playoffs, something has happened to derail their Super Bowl hopes. And I think this year they're just going to have a decline just just because of just I, I think time is catching up with Breeze. And I think you're right about that defense. I don't think that defense is as good as it once was. And I don't think the offense will be um, – it'll be good, but I don't think it'll be quite as what we normally see out of New Orleans offenses. Now, the Falcons, same thing. They're going to score points, but they have no defense. Um, Ty Gurley going there makes it really interesting. Now, as far as the Buffalo Bills, they, to me, are the winners of free agency. I think they have really built up that defense to be the best in the league. And I think Sean McDermott's thinking next year, Super Bowl or bust. They can they can definitely win the East. In fact, I expect them to win the East easily. Well, that'll depend on what the Patriots do at quarterback because they still don't have a, a true quarterback successor to Brady. I guess you could say Jared Stidham, but... Stidham did great in the in the preseason last year, but it's different, you know, preseason to starting all year long. But I think the Bills do uh, definitely win the East. I also saw the whole DeAndre Hopkins trade. I thought that was really strange why you would trade DeAndre Hopkins when he's your best offensive weapon. Now I look at Houston and I'm like, Houston, what are y'all doing? So I expect Houston to go after a receiver in the draft. As far as the NFC West, I didn't see a lot of movement out there or big name movements. I mean, I thought the Arizona Cardinals, I guess you can count them since they got DeAndre Hopkins. I think they have vastly improved. The 49ers really didn't upgrade themselves. The Seahawks, I mean, the Seahawks don't normally do a lot in free agency, so, but I still think they're going to be a good team. And the Rams, you know, they cut Gurley, so they lost the offensive weapon. Um, and he went to the Falcons. The AFC West, Melvin Gordon went to the Broncos. I think that's a good pickup for them. Obviously, they're going to be dedicated to running the ball. The Raiders got Marcus Mariota. I think eventually he's going to overtake Derek Carr and be the starter there unless they draft a quarterback this year. Uh, let's see who else is out there. The NFC North, the Vikings, I don't know what the Vikings are doing, man. They seem to be just blowing up their whole defense. They've let a lot of players go. Xavier Rose is gone. Limbo Joseph is gone. Um, and there are another, a couple of other stalwart Vikings uh, that are gone. Oh, Stephon Diggs, he got traded to the Buffalo Bills. Who else up there? Oh, our boy Devin Funches, he's going to Green Bay. Saw that the other day. That's your boy. No, he's not my boy, but I'm just saying he's a former Carolina Panther. Oh, I um, agree with that. That's about all I'm agree with on Devin Funches. My thing about Funches, Funches had the world in front of him. And after that Detroit game, he just fell apart. He was never the same. But, I mean, that's all for free agency, man. There's been a lot of moves in the league this year, a lot of trades. Surprisingly, there's been a lot of transactions this year that I never expected. A lot of big-name players being moved around. So, NFL's changed, man.
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the I won't even call it quiet. One of the things I saw today was, you know, it looks like Ron Rivera is clearing house in Washington, too. They released like five or six players this afternoon. Um, so I think we still have some some things left in free agency. You, you said one of the ones that I thought about earlier, uh, the Mariota taking over David Carr. If that does happen, then, you know, I don't think David Carr is sticking around to be a, a backup. I think that's somebody else filling another job. So. With that, David Carr filling another job, the market for Cam Newton gets smaller and smaller. Or maybe the New England Patriots trade for David Carr. You know, I mean, those things are still TBD in my mind because of, like we said, where we're at in free agency. You know, it kind of gets quiet for a couple weeks, and then you see these little moves here and there. So I think we still got some 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 time to play in the in the free agency pool right now. Yeah, man. So you got anything else for anything that we talked about? Cam, uh, free agency? Nah, man. I think the last thing was, I don't know, I just caught it recently before we came on the air, uh, that the uh, draft is still going to be held. It's going to be a virtual draft. Same time, same place, same everything. So should be fun to see players introduced, you know, in the, in the new technology generation that we're in versus, you know, seeing them walk across the stage. And who knows, that may induce some more, trading and you know some more moving in the nfl yeah the the whole coronavirus situation has really changed the way i think teams are going to have to do their their drafting this year and especially their scouting it's going to be interesting so you're right I, I can't wait to watch this draft and hopefully uh hopefully this coronavirus situation will be you know taken care of soon because i would hate for this to you know prolong and and hinder our sports because right now there's nothing on tv we in a rough place. <laughs> All right, man. So this ends our episode. So guys, if you have questions, email us at on the prowl. We like to thank y'all for listening to our episode and always keep pounding.